Listen, if you uh, are at a, a physical campus or location, there's a sermon note card in the seat back pocket near you. I want you to take some notes today. I got a number of things that we want to cover as we move into week number three of our current series that we're doing here at Go Church, and we're calling it Legacy. How many of you, you've enjoyed the first couple of weeks so far? Come on, it's been great. If you've missed any of it, jump back online. You can go to Vimeo. You can go to YouTube. Mom, I'm on YouTube. Come on now. You can go to YouTube, even the website. A lot of great resources there, but would love for you to be able to catch up with this if you've missed any of the weeks in, le in this legacy series. Kind of the central theme, if you will, of our whole conversation has been around this particular thought. And I want this to really kind of settle into your heart and your mind as we begin this message for today. But the purpose of your life is not to live forever. That's not the goal. So the goal isn't to be 100 years old or 200 years old or 2,000 years old. Ultimately, the goal or the purpose is to leave behind something that does live on forever. And that's really the true definition of legacy. I didn't prep to say this, but in the first gathering, the Lord kind of dropped it in my heart. Whenever we expire from this world, this earthly life, um, and we step into eternity... And wherever you spend eternity, that decision is, is up to you while you're alive. So you have to say yes to Jesus Christ, repent of your sin, ask him to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. If you do that, then when you expire, you spend eternity with God. If while you're alive on this earth, you reject God, then God's not going to force you to do something forever that you wouldn't do with him while you're alive on this earth. Does that make sense? So you'll spend eternity separated from God. But whenever that time comes we're all gonna leave some type of legacy. We'll all be remembered for something. So the legacy of your life, and again, this isn't on the slide here, but I'd love for you to consider this thought or maybe write it down, but the legacy of your life is gonna be, it's gonna be left by design or by default, but there will be memories of you. So you can design what kind of legacy that you wanna leave strategically, spiritually, intentionally, etc. Or you can just live your life by default and hope that the outcome, you know, turns out to be one that people remember you forever. So if you're looking for like a, a mission statement or a purpose statement, I, I think it's this. It's, it's not to live on this earth forever. It's, it's to build a legacy life so that when my time on earth is done, that legacy lives on. There is fruit that remains from the life that I lived. And look, you're going to get around a Thanksgiving table this, this coming week. Uh, you're going to enjoy some turkey. Come on, somebody. You're going to watch the Lions lose another Thanksgiving football game. Come on out. And there's going to be conversations that are had around your family table. And you're going to talk about people that used to be sitting at the table that are no longer there. What are those conversations about those individuals going to be? You're going to have all kinds of memories and stories. and You'll bring up what? Their legacy. And the life that they lived, and this isn't to, to scare you or to create some hyper-emotional moment, but there will come a generation that, if the Lord tarries, that they'll be having Thanksgiving dinner, and you won't be sitting at the table. And then stories about you will be told. What will those stories be? And so the purpose isn't just to live here forever. It's to leave behind this legacy, these stories, these, these treasures that, that you've deposited here so that when people talk about you, they remember the legacy life and the life that you lived. Let's make this a little more personal here. They did this last Sunday. I'd like to do it again. On the count of three, I'd love for you to say this and kind of own it, all right? Because this really is, this really is the purpose here uh, for each of us. You ready? On three, let's say it together. One, two, three. My purpose is not to live here on earth forever. 
My purpose is to leave behind something that does. Amen? And we've been looking at the psalm in 112. Psalm 112. The psalmist wrote these words, and here's what he said. So I just gave you kind of the, this has been kind of the, the central theme of the whole conversation. Psalm 112 verses 5 and 6 have been the central verses of this whole series. And this is what the psalmist says. He says, good will come. And by a show of hands, anybody in the room, anybody in Germantown, anybody online, just need a little good to come your way. Come on, let me see your hands, all right? Anybody need a lot of good? Both hands up. That's me, right? So here's, here's the promise. Here's the promise. And in these two verses, there are actually three promises. Here's the first of the three promises. And you see it already. The first promise is that good will come. And then the reason that good will come is because it's going to be specifically for those who are generous, who lend freely, and watch, and who conducts their affairs with justice. So in this verse here, verse 5, you see that good's going to come to those who understand that life is really about right giving and right living. So that's promise number one. Promise number two is this, is that you won't be shaken. It doesn't mean there won't be storms. It doesn't mean there won't be trials. It doesn't mean there won't be difficulties. Some of you are going out of a storm or some of you just came through a storm. Some of you might be walking into a storm. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be trouble. But those who, again, understand right giving, right living, even when the shaking comes, you can be unshaken. Does that make sense? So that's a promise. And then the third promise is this. Let's read it together. One, two, three. A righteous person will be remembered forever. There are over 3,000 promises in your Bible. And for those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, all of those promises are yours because of the work on the cross at Calvary that Jesus did. So you get three promises here. You get the promise that good will come to those who are generous and who conducts their affairs with justice, with integrity, with character. The promise is even when the shaking comes, you don't have to be shaken. And then this promise, the third promise, is that a righteous person will be remembered forever. And, and that's a good thing. Whenever, whenever my, I feel emotional today, maybe it's because it's the holidays and all of that, but whenever my time is up and people talk about me, they think about me, you know, I want people to, to be able to talk about the legacy that I've left behind. And I don't want to get ahead of my notes here or my thoughts, but that's far greater. The legacy, the life that I live is far greater than an inheritance that I leave or a life insurance policy that I leave or a retirement plan that I leave. I want people to remember the, the good things, the generosity of my life and how I conducted my life with integrity and character and tried to live above reproach. Is anybody with me in that same conversation? Come on. So legacy, watch this. Legacy is about two things, right giving, right living. Giving to something that will outlive me. And the giving part is more than just money. I think that's a part of it because where your treasure is, there your heart is. But giving to something that will outlive me is giving of my time, of my talents, of my ideas, of my efforts, of my skills, of my resources. You fill in the blank. Giving to something that will outlive me, which can I tell you is, is the church. The church will outlive us. This is the bride of Christ. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So when we invest into the church and when we invest into eternal things, that's how you live this legacy life. And then, of course, living in a way that your life outlives you. 
So that again, by design or by default, people will talk about you when life is over. What they have to say is dependent upon the life that you live. Let me give you one thought. Let's transition now into this week. And you only get one life to leave this legacy. One life. Whenever you breathe your last breath, okay, the Bible talks about to be absent from this body means to be present with the Lord. So when we leave this world, what, this is important for you to understand, there are no redos. There's no rewinds. There, there's no replays. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but I just want to give you the gospel truth. There is no rebirth or reincarnation. Like you're not coming back as a cow or a cat. Can I get an amen from somebody? I got cats. Well, I know I let them cats on the boat. Got questions I have in heaven. Come on. You're not coming back in another life as an infant. And this doesn't happen. You get one life. You get one life to leave a legacy. You get one life to determine your eternal destination. There's this company out in Scottsdale, Arizona that you can Google them. I'm not making it up. They're called Alcor. You can pay them $200,000. And when you die, they will freeze your body. And they talk about the preservation of life. And they'll freeze your body until medicine evolves. And hopefully whatever took you out, there's a cure for. And then they're going to try that medicine to bring you back. Let me just tell you this. <laughs> when you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> there's a lot of better things you could do with $200,000. Can I get an amen? I mean, like, they just... it's. <laughs> You're dead. I mean, I just imagine when they deposit that check, they're like, sucker. You know, like, I mean, you ain't ever going to know. But the other part is this, is that, and this is just my heart, but man, my relationship is with Christ. Heaven is my home. Heaven is my hope. Like, when I die, I'm, I'm sure that there will be some people sad. You know, there'll be some grieving and some mourning. And I was hoping somebody would be like, yeah, pastor, but nobody said anything. So it makes me a little nervous. You know, like, y'all are just like going to have the funeral and then get right to the mac and cheese. I know, y'all. That's messed up. But, like, Kimberly, don't try to bring me back. Like, I don't want when I'm in heaven, like, man, I, I, I'll be waiting for you all to get there. You don't, anyone that's gone on to heaven while we grieve here on earth, they don't want to come to this messed up world again. And we talked about heaven last Sunday, so you can go back and, and listen to some of that. But you get one life to leave a legacy and every single day Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16 talk about how you have to take advantage of every single day every opportunity that God gives you be wise don't be unwise it doesn't say be right and don't be wrong it just says be wise there's a difference between being wise and being right amen be wise with every single day making the most of every opportunity because the days they're evil so every day you wake up it is a gift from God. It's a miracle that you're alive today. And you may not feel like there's much to be thankful for in this holiday season, but if God woke you up this morning, he clothed you in your right mind. I wish I had somebody help me preach for a second. There's a lot to be thankful for. As a matter of fact, take 10 seconds. Just tell Jesus how grateful you are for all of his blessings. Every day you got, every day you, <laughs> every day that you're given from God is a gift. That's why they call it the present. It's a gift. And you got that day 
every day that you give to leave this legacy. Now, I want to make sure you understand that there is significant difference between a life that is focused on creating a dynasty versus a life that is desiring to leave a legacy. See, a dynasty is very, it's very selfish, unbelievably selfish, because it's always about me. Now, if I'm being honest, we can all find ourselves a little narcissistic at times, right? We can all find ourselves a little self-absorbed, a little self-centered, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not living a legacy life. Now, if that's you constantly, then that, that's a great warning to you that this is very dangerous because God didn't give you this life so that it could be all about you. God gave you this life so that you can make a difference in others and point them towards Jesus. It's a great place to say amen. So dynasty is very selfish and it emphasizes this singular pronoun, me. You know, I, me, my, mine. And that's our culture. That's marketing. It's, it's how society is pushing us to think specifically about us. But a legacy life isn't selfish. A legacy life is selfless. And the emphasis here isn't about me. It's about, on the count of three, shout we, like a roller coaster. One, two, three. We. <laughs> Some of y'all love that. And this is a plural pronoun. Because it's, it's us, we, our, ours. Do you see that? Now, if you're living in this area, but you desire to live a legacy life, there is a challenge in the gap between the two. And, and the challenge or the problem is competing agendas. Well, let me say it to you like this. And this is many of us. We desire for Jesus to be our savior. We want Jesus to save us because we understand the idea of eternity and we don't want to spend eternity separated from God. So we want Jesus to be our savior, but we still want to be our own Lord. So Jesus saved me, but in the saving process, I still really want to be in control. So I'd like to be my own Lord. I'd like to create my own rules and I'd like to do things my own way. And even if it means I take scripture out of context to justify my sinful life, I know that's not like happy preaching, but it's the truth. It's like, so I, I want you to be savior, but, but I want to be Lord because there are some things that I want to do. I think about the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested and they were taking him to soon to take him to the cross and the Bible talks about how he was praying so fervently that his sweat turned to drops of blood. And, and what was his prayer? His prayer was, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me, this cup of responsibility. Take this assignment from me. What was the assignment? He was going to be crucified on the cross. And then how did he close that prayer? He said, but it is not my will, but your will be done. So... Jesus, if you're going to have Jesus be Savior, then you also have to have him to be your Lord. Because when it comes to your walk with Christ, you can get the cake and eat it too. There's a standard of living, and the competing agenda is, it's the kingdom agenda and the way that God desires for you to live, and not just, let me scratch that, the way that God commands us to live. This is the way that you should live. 
There is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end, it's the way or the path of destruction. It leads to death. So this is the way that you should live. But then there's this, there's this little sinful nature within us that understands that if we're going to live for God, then that means we've got to lay down some stuff. And you do. So here's a competing agenda. And this is just a few of, of really thousands of you know, different points we could talk. But we want success. We live in America. I mean, we live in a land of opportunity. And when Jesus just wants sacrifice. We want fortune. Give us money and wealth and, and maybe fame. But Jesus just wants faithfulness. We want opportunity, but what Jesus really wants is obedience. When you stand before God... I, I mean, I've, I've never been there, hello, but I don't think that conversation is going to be around, well, how successful were you? How, how famous were you? How many, you know what, before, before we let you into heaven, how many Instagram followers did you actually have? How many Facebook friends did you actually have? No, I think what, because remember, every, every action, word, and deed is going to be recorded in books. And I think in that moment, what really matters is, did you live a life of sacrifice? Did you live a life of faithfulness? Did you live a life of obedience? Does that make sense? Get, say amen if that makes sense at all. So here we go. Watch this. So, so this is where we land then. Then our life should not be about making a living. But our life should really be about leaving a legacy. Have you ever been to any company where, and I don't want to like start naming companies because that could be offensive if you work there, Walmart. Like that would be a little unfair to like just talk about some major company like Walmart, you know. But have you ever been to a company where an employee who was working at that Walmart didn't love their job? Let me ask it this way. Have you ever encountered someone that was working somewhere that it took you like all of three seconds to figure out they don't love what they do. Show me your hands if you've ever met anybody like that. All right, hands down. Leave your hand up if that's you. Come on. This, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Right. We see these people all the time, whether, again, it's in a, a supermarket or a restaurant or remember malls? Come on, somebody. Remember malls? Man, Amazon really did a number on malls, didn't it? And they're working a job, but they hate that job. Now, let me say two things and. Uh, James says that, you know, a, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. I applaud the individual for working the job to make the money to pay the bills. Does that make sense? Like, sometimes you got to put your hands on the plow, and in a season, you just do the work, right? But there's also a part of me that just feels a certain way for people that they're not they're not living or leaving a legacy. They're doing a job and they hate it. And it's evident that they hate it because the effort or the energy or the hospitality or whatever, it's just not there. Could you imagine, and maybe you're living in this, and thank God for those who are living in that place of joy and fulfillment, but could you imagine clocking in and clocking out every day, nine to five or later or earlier, and Monday through whatever day. And it's just like, I, I hate this. That's exhausting. 
And I think a lot of it has to do with we've bought into this mindset, well, I've got to make a living. Okay, there's a part of that that's true because you've got responsibilities, but at the same time, when you stand before God, write this thought down. The value of your life will never be based on how much money you made. It's just not the value of your life. Genuinely, and I don't say this very much, but I hear the Holy Spirit right now. Someone here, you're thinking about suicide, man. I want you to know that, first of all, you are loved. And we should tell you more. You are loved and you are needed. But you've bought into this lie that the value of your life is based off of things that you see on, like, social media or in other families. Listen to me, whoever you are, and maybe there's multiple individuals listening online or in the room, but the value of your life is not based on money or cars or what subdivision you live in. If you are able to keep up with the Joneses, I've never even met the Joneses. Come on, the value of your life is not about how much success you had or trophies you got. I've been to a lot of funerals, quite a bit in my own family. There's been a lot of, of loss in my family. And then, of course, being in the ministry, you know, we have opportunities to officiate someone's home going. And I've, I've never, just never heard over a celebration of life service someone say, this was a, this was a great person. But had they saved like 10,000 more dollars, they would have been an amazing person. Or man, this, this guy right here was special. You know, but if he would have got a master's degree, he'd just have been even more special. Do you get the point? Like, I'm not trying to belittle that, but I think it's important. Like, I've never heard like, man, I love Uncle Bob, but why he drove that old truck? If he would have traded it in for a Ford pick, who? The value of your life is not based on those earthly things. Does that make sense? Now, you may laugh about Uncle Bob at Thanksgiving in that old beat-up truck that he drove, but that's not his legacy. The value of your life, write this down, will always be determined by what you leave behind. By what you leave behind. So let's talk about this. Let's define a legacy life for a few minutes here. The first one is this. I'm going to give you four, if uh, time permits. The first one is this. A legacy people, they have an eternal mindset. i got to stop. Don't take your life. Don't take your life. Father, in this moment, whoever that individual may be, I feel that right here, right now, that they are overwhelmed with the love of God. With the love of God. We sing about your love. We preach about your love. But right now, may they feel your love. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to move in a powerful way on that individual. And if they need a conversation, we're available today. They're not in this journey alone. They're not by themselves. They're alive today on purpose and for purpose. 
And I pray that they are overwhelmed today with joy, with joy. And for those of us listening that maybe we're not wrestling with that emotion or that struggle, may we be extra sensitive in this holiday season by giving words of encouragement, by sharing appreciation and saying the words, I love you to people. Even if we think that they know, may we go the extra mile to make sure that they know because every life is precious because every life comes from you. And so I'm trusting you in this moment, God, to do a work that only you can do and we'll be forever grateful in Jesus' name, amen. Can we just say thank you to the Holy Spirit? Come on, to God be the glory. So legacy people have this eternal mindset. Uh, there's a beautiful verse in 2 Corinthians chapter four, watch this. We do not fix our eyes on what we see, but rather we fix our eyes on what is unseen. And I love that the verse doesn't stop there because we kind of get the, the answer as to why. Why do we not look at earthly things, but we should see through an eternal lens? Uh, and it's because what is seen is, somebody say temporary, that everything you own right now, including your body, Everything's got an expiration date. It's all temporary. So when we focus on the things that we see, it's dangerous because those things are here for a little while and then they're gone. But when we focus on what is unseen, that's better because those things are eternal. And so I don't want to re-preach last Sunday, but please go back and listen if you missed it because there was a, a moment in that whole message that I talked about how the line is longer than the dot. And I'll, I'll do this 45 seconds a minute at best, but the dot is our life. And it's amazing how much energy, effort, resources, uh, money, time, thoughts, ideas, dreams, ex prayers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we put in the dot. But even if you get to be 100 years old or 110 years old, like, that fails in comparison to 110 million years. So the point is this, is that you've got, as a legacy person, you've got to have an eternal mindset. And you've got to understand that although today you're living in the dot, you should never live for the dot. You live your life for the line because the line is where you're going to spend the majority of your days. Does that make sense? If you go to Hebrews, the, you know, there's a, uh, uh, the heroes of faith are written in Hebrews chapter 11. There's an Old Testament hero, multiple Old Testament heroes that are listed. One of them is Moses. Moses, who led the children of God out of bondage. So the children of Israel were in bondage to Pharaoh, the evil Egyptian ruler. God taps Moses on the shoulder to lead the people of God out of bondage. You can read the whole story in the second book of the Bible named Exodus because it's the story of the exodus of the children of Israel out of slavery and towards their promised land. So now you fast forward to the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, and Moses is highlighted here, and I want you to see what is written about him. Because I think it's so powerful of what was taking place thousands and thousands and thousands of years, even before this was written, how Moses had not an earthly mindset, but an eternal mindset. Watch, Moses chose, I should have highlighted that in yellow, 
because every day you've got a choice to make. You get to choose the life you live and the legacy you leave. Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for how long? A short time. Do you see that? Watch. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value. How? As of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. So Moses knew that I don't want to focus on the things of this earth, the pleasures of this world, because this world is just a dot. So I'd rather be disgraced for the sake of Christ. I'd rather be mistreated in this world than enjoy all of the sin and all of the, all of the abundance, all of the treasures of Egypt. And how was he able to do that? Because he was looking ahead to what? His reward. And I want to tell you that every day that you choose to put Christ first, thank you, Holy Spirit, every day that you choose to live a life above reproach, every day that you choose to have right giving and right living and conduct your affairs with justice and integrity, there is a reward coming. You are laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Unpacking more of the previous messages in this particular series, but Moses knew in this world there's going to be difficulty and I'm making that choice because this world is not my home and my heaven, my heavenly home, there are great rewards. I think it's a great place to pause and say amen. Come on, let's go. All right. So legacy people, we got this eternal mindset. Did you write that down? Eternal mindset. A second one here. Legacy people understand sacrifice. So legacy people will choose, again, this is all a choice, they will choose to keep less for themselves so that they can do more for others. This isn't on the stream, but write this down. Sacrifice is giving up something that you love for something that you love even more. And if you ever want to do anything significant, anything significant at all, you're going to have to sacrifice. I mean, I even think about people that have successful businesses or, or maybe they've achieved certain levels of, of success even in this, this world. But there was a sacrifice. You may not have seen the sacrifice or you may not know the sacrifice. But in order to do anything significant, in order to accomplish anything, especially if you're talking about eternal significance, you're going to have to lay some things down. And can I tell you this? And this is a, this is a truth. It's a hard truth. But God is always asking us to sacrifice. Because he doesn't want you comfortable. There's this false teaching where people say that, well, you know, God just wants me happy. Show me that in the Bible. God cares more about your holiness than he cares about your happiness. Y'all ought to tweet that. Come on. God wants you to be holy. He doesn't want you to be happy. And God certainly doesn't want you to feel comfortable. Why, Pastor JC? I'm really glad you asked. Because if you're comfortable, then you think that you've done something by your own strength, by your own merit, by your own ability, by your own knowledge, by your own talent. So God calls you to do sacrificial things to ask you, watch, to step out of the boat because there you can't depend on who? 
you. You can't depend on you when you're living in obedience and faithfulness and sacrifice to God. Now you have to lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll continue to direct your paths. So God's always going to call you. Watch this. In order, to, in order to go up, what are you willing to give up? Sacrifice. Jesus told this parable. A lot of examples here that we could use. But Jesus told this parable in Luke chapter 10. Again, remember, Jesus taught in parables. He would just use stories, and he would tell these stories to illustrate biblical lessons or spiritual truths. He told this story about the Good Samaritan. And if you've been in church for any period of time, you've heard the story of the Good Samaritan, right? So let me read it. Don't ruin it for the person that's never heard the story. He tells this story, and he says, hey, lean in. Here's a story. Once there was a man, and this guy was traveling from Jerusalem and he was going to the town of, of Jericho. On the way from one city to the next city, he was, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him up, and they went off leaving him half dead. And then if you catch this, and again, I know that this is the message translation of the story, but you see a little sarcasm from Jesus. He's like, hey, but luckily there was a pastor. There's a religious guy, a priest who was on his way down, somebody say the same road. The same road. But when the religious leader saw the man that was beaten and robbed and left for dead, the priest angled across to the other side. And then Jesus says, watch. But there was a Levite, another religious man. He shows up, but he also avoided the injured man. Now we get to the Good Samaritan part. But there was a Samaritan. And he was traveling the road and he came to him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him and he gave him first aid. And he disinfected his wounds and bandaged his wounds. And then he lifted him up and put him on his donkey and led him to an inn. And he made him comfortable. He took him to a holiday inn. Come on, somebody. A nice guy. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. And this is what he said. He said, hey, take good care of this guy. And I can imagine the innkeeper's like, do you know him? He's like, I, no, I have no idea who he is. But take good care of him. And if it costs any more, I'm paying in advance. But if it costs any more, put it on my tab. Just run up the bill. And then the next time I come through town, I'll square away with you. We'll get even. And then watch how the, the story ends here in these two verses. Jesus says, so what do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor? Was it the priest? The Levite or the Samaritan? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? And then, of course, they responded, the one who treated him kindly. And watch this last line. Let's say this together. Everybody collectively. You ready? One, two, three. Go and do the same. I want you to say it again, but I need you to say it with some conviction. I guarantee, like I'm like 99.8% sure when you leave church today, there's not going to be a guy beat up in the parking lot. But I can guarantee you 100% that when you leave church today, they're hurting people. Like broken people. Desperate people. And I want to say something to you. And I love our church. Like it's an, Kimberly told you when we greeted you, it's an honor to pastor here. But it's not my job to take care of all these hurting people. It's a part of my responsibility but the magnitude of pain is too big for one person to accomplish. You know what is my job? To equip the saints 
to do the work of the ministry. It's why God put you in that job. It's why God put you in that neighborhood. It's why God put you in that checkout line at the Walmart because the sweet person is having a bad day. Are you trending with me here? So, so let's say this with some conviction. Ready? One, two, three. Go and do the same. Years ago, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which, by the way, if you, if you could get a, an image of a legacy life, it would be the, the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Years ago, I mean, look at this room. At both campuses, we get to worship one God together, sitting next to people, red, yellow, black, white, because one man said, I'll, I'll commit my whole life to make a difference. And this is beautiful, isn't it? Like, this is fantastic. Don't ever take this for granted, by the way. He preached a sermon years ago on Luke chapter 10. And in the, in, in the content of his message, he said, there are really only two types of people in this world. Again, coming out of Luke chapter 10. He said, the first type of person is this. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., okay? If I stop and help them, what's going to happen to me? And we've all done that. Don't act like you've never been driving somewhere and you've seen a homeless person and you pulled up right beside them, the red light aligned, the stop sign aligned, and they're right there. And don't act like you're like, don't look at them. Everybody look ahead. Everybody roll up the windows, roll up the windows. Now, some of you millennials are like, what does rolling up the windows mean? I'm so, I'm so you're like, you mean take out an app and electronically move the window up? Where's my roll up the window generation? Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. Where, where are my, I was the remote control generation. There we go. You know, I digress. You know, just look ahead. If you don't look at them, they won't look at us. And, and then look, I, I can say this because I've done, you're out here already. Man, that's fast. Wow, I got 45 more minutes of this sermon. Just hang with me, Joseph. Don't you love Joseph? Come on, right? I love that. Right. They don't even ask me when they want to come out anymore. They just show up. And they call it the show up, shut up. You know, it's, <laughs> well, I got news for you, pal. I'm not shutting up yet. Let me hurry through this, though. You just don't look at them. And we've all, I can say this because we've been there. Like, there are broken people, but yet we wonder, well, I got places to be. I got things to do. I've got an agenda. I've got a schedule. I, I've got responsibilities. Da, da, da. Okay, so there are only two types, Dr. King said. If I stop and help, what's going to happen to me? Or if I don't stop and help, what's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to the people that die in this world without the hope of Jesus? What's going to happen to the hurting and the broken in our communities and in our cities if you don't sacrifice? And yesterday was such a beautiful day. Go Church is so generous and you all give above and beyond and it's just, it's, it's wild. But we had somebody donate last week 400 turkeys. 400 turkeys to give to our community on the south side of Atlanta here. And dozens of volunteers served. And they were giving these turkeys out, just sacrificing a little bit of their time on a Saturday to say, you know what? Because watch, and I'm not, I'm not giving you a sob story, I'm telling you the truth. These 400 people that got these turkeys, they may not have had a turkey 
at Thanksgiving. That's how blessed we are, right? And some of you might be thinking, well, it's just a turkey. No, it ain't. We prayed the Holy Spirit in them, they're birds. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, right? I'm sure they better be careful. That, that bird may come back to life. That's how much we prayed over them birds. Could you imagine at that dinner? Let's give thanks for this turkey. Man, every one of them would be in church next week. What's going on at the Go Church? Raising turkeys back to life. That's a lot funnier than I anticipated, but I mean, we prayed over these turkeys and these volunteers. They got out there in car after car after car just came through and, and people got a Thanksgiving turkey. So the question is, if you don't sacrifice, what will happen to people, not around the world, but in your world? In your world, there are people that need you to sacrifice. Let me give you one more, or two more maybe. Legacy people are, are generous people. This church is incredibly generous and, and we give and I've always said this, I've been a lead pastor for eight years now. When I started, there was no, there was no gray hair in this beard. You did that. Thank you. I can't thank you enough. In eight more years, all of this will be gone. Come on. Now it's an honor to pastor such a generous church, but I've always said, I never want to pastor a church where we're only paying our bills because that's not what God has called us to do. We get our name Go Church from the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18, 19, and 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything which I have commanded, and lo, I'll be with you to the ends of the earth. So we get our name Go Church from the Great Commission, but if I wanted to give you one verse that I would love to define who we are, it's Psalm 112, verse nine, right here, watch. If you're a part of Go Church, this is what we do. We share freely. To be a member of Go Church, we give generously to people that are in need. To be a part of Go Church, watch, your good deeds, ladies and gentlemen, your good deeds will be remembered forever. And this is my prayer. I pray that you have great influence and great honor. Now watch, to whom much is given, much is required. So this is a weighty verse here, but this is what it means to be a part of this church, to share and to give and to do good. Years ago, Pastor Brian Houston of Hillsong Church, he wrote this uh, proclamation, if you will, called the church that I see. And it really impacted me years ago. So. I kind of wrote my own. And when I close my eyes and I dream about the church that I see, I wrote, I wrote down a few things and I think I can get through the majority of this without too much emotion, but the church that I see is a church that's reaching broken, hurting and lost people and introducing them to the hope of Jesus. The church that I see is a church where people are committing and recommitting their life to Christ every time we gather together and they find a real relationship with Jesus. The church that I see is focused far more on relationship than we are with religion. 
The church that I see is committed to growing their people, discipling them in their faith, teaching them to pray and to fast and to read their Bible. A church with clear spiritual next steps so that everyone can walk in their faith walk. The church that I see offers spiritual growth opportunities for the men of the church, the women of the church, and marriages within our church. The church that I see is reaching our next generation. I pray we give the best to our youth and our kids, amen? The church that I see is far more active outside of our four walls than we are inside of these four walls. A church that has a heart for local outreach and world missions. A church that fights hard against homelessness and hunger. A church that fights against the travesty of human sex trafficking. The church that I see makes their community better all around. A church that is more important to their community than the Walmart is. The church that I see has small groups at the core of who they are and people are doing life together beyond just Sunday. The church that I see does everything with excellence. The church that I see has powerful praise and worship and dynamic gospel preaching. It's a good place to say amen, come on. The church that I see is Bible believing, spirit filled, authentic and genuinely loving. The church that I see is ridiculously generous. A church that is giving away millions of dollars every year supporting our legacy partners. The church that I see stewards with integrity and the church that I see is a debt-free church. Come on. The church that I see is a beautifully diverse church, a church reaching all people, regardless of race, ethnicity, age, socioeconomic status, or even political position. The church that I see accepts people just as they are, but then we introduce them to a God who refuses to leave them the way that they came. The church that I see is a church where there's a invite culture and every week we see new people come and experience a fresh move of God here at Go Church. The church that I see is so refreshing and so life-giving that the buildings cannot contain all of the people that God is sending. So we have to keep adding gatherings and we have to keep adding locations and we have to keep adding campuses. The Go Church I see is found in cities across the United States of America and even in different countries around the world. I see a creative church, an innovative church. I see a church that leverages and stewards their facilities and their properties and campuses and we become a staple in our community. I see a church where the Holy Spirit is moving in a genuine and pure way so much so that people can't stop talking about what God is doing in their church. And we watch the Holy Spirit draw people here and change their lives. I see a church committed to raising servant leaders, a place where people are serving and volunteering and using their God-given gifts and talents to make a difference in the lives of others. I see a church that has a staff and leaders and pastors that are made up of men and women of high integrity 
and high character and you can follow our example as we follow the example of Christ. And I see a church whose motives are pure and their main goal is to love anyone from anywhere into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I see that kind of church. Come on. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Micah, run out here. Let's sing this song. Uh, what's that song? If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Come on, will you lift your hands? Come on. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Thank you, Jesus. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Thank you, Jesus. my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Thank you, Jesus. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Thank you, Jesus. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Okay, just give me like uh, three minutes here. I'll pray for you. I just want to tell you that we have a, a great opportunity and you're going to go on vacation for the holiday. And I don't want to miss this Sunday to remind you that we have a chance to be that kind of church. We do. This series, this message is not about money. This is the only special offering that we take all year. It's the only, you give faithfully and consistently through your tithes, but this offering is unique because I'm asking everybody to do something. My six-year-old daughter brought three pennies to church today, three. The joy on her heart today, you would have thought it was $3 million. It's never about the amount of money. It's always about the amount of obedience. I'm asking everybody. I don't, I don't really ask you to do a lot, but I'm asking you on December the 5th to bring an offering. Pray about it and participate. And here's what's unique. And I'm not comparing us to any other church, but look at what Go Church does. With this offering, we're asking for 100% participation because we give 100% of it away. Every dollar we give away to legacy partners, domestically and internationally and locally. And watch this, we may never hear some of the stories of lives that are changed through your generosity, but there is a reward in heaven. Come on, there's a reward in heaven. 
and legacy people. We are generous people. We are generous people. And the final thought is this. Legacy people, we know that we live with a sense of urgency because time is running out. Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe that? Jesus is coming soon. One verse here, John 4, 35. I tell you, open your eyes. Again, they may not be beat up physically, but they're beat up spiritually. They're beat up in their spirit. They're broken, they're hurting, they're lost. You just open your eyes and watch. Look at the fields because they are ripe for harvest. Everywhere that, everywhere that God takes you isn't coincidence. It's a divine appointment. God is sovereign and strategic and God has put people in your world, in your world, to change their world. I'm gonna give you one quick assignment. Everybody take out something to write with. That sermon note card, your cell phone, the napkin from Cracker Barrel. Come on, real quick. Write down something. And here it is. I'm asking you, as we move into a new year, what are you willing to invest to make sure the people that you invite get to experience what God is doing at your church? So I want you to write down three names, three names, that going into next year, that you're gonna be intentional with how you invest into those relationships so that when you make the invite, they say, Yes, yes. Every time they come, every time you show up or they show up, it is our desire as a staff and as volunteers on the GO team that we create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is here and he does a powerful work. Come on, 30 seconds, write down three names. Come on, everybody, jot them down, three names. Not talking about people at another church, but who's at your job, who's in your school, what families on the sports team or a part of the cheerleading team or in the band, you name it. Come on, everywhere you go. Who's in your neighborhood, on your street, in your cul-de-sac? Who's in the cubicle across from you? Come on, write down three names. And then this is the prayer moving into a new year. What am I going to invest to make sure the person I invite says yes? And then we let the Lord do the work. I'll close with this question. When your life on earth is over, what will you leave behind?